0: Amen. Amen. Anybody thawed out yet this morning? (laughs) The snow was, I don't know if we were supposed to expect this or not. It came suddenly, didn't it? My son called me this morning and he said, Dad, I guess we're going to go and have church. It's three to five inches already fell here. And so they got it before we died. I looked outside, there was nothing out there. Ten minutes later, I looked out, and it's about a half an inch already, so it came pretty fast today. Amen. Good to see everybody. Are you glad to be here? All right. I'm really glad to be here. This is my second time here. I was here I don't know how many years ago and graduated some people that had went through my level one uh, relationship discipleship series. Did any of you? Were any of you in that group? Okay. Apparently not. Okay. But uh, I know some of you were here back then, some of you, I recognize your faces, and my Uncle Gene's here too, so, you know, he's not really my uncle, but I do have an uncle named Gene Ballard, so I claim him now as my uncle anyway, so uh, I learned that last time I was here. But uh, good to see everyone out today, and it's good to be with your pastor, and Mackenzie, and now little... I'll call her Ellie, okay, Eleanor Ellie. Isn't she beautiful, man? You know what? Uh, when your pastor's got a beautiful little baby like that, it just—it uh, uh, really. Uh, my my son told his congregation, the only reason you voted me in was because of my daughter. <laughs> I know that's not true with your pastor, okay? Actually, you voted him in before they got the the baby. But it just makes it a little bit better when your pastor's got beautiful little children. But uh, they are uh, choice servants of God, and I'm just so excited to be here with them today. I was in the area yesterday. I was doing a men's conference, and uh, I told your pastor, I said, I'd just like to come by and be a blessing to you some way or another. I just want to bless you. And so he asked me to preach, and so I'm excited to be here in God's house today. Hey, I'd like to give you a gift. If you're up to receiving, anybody likes free stuff? Oh, man, my wife, she'll go travel to five thrift stores to get a quarter worth of stuff. And then she comes home and shows me, look what I got. I got this for a dime or a dollar or whatever, you know. But uh, anyway, I've got some little cross necklaces out there. I know you can't see it from here, but uh, it's it's made in the... um, it, it's, it's a symbol of um, the nails uh, of Jesus on the cross. And you don't have to wear it around your neck if you're not one of those people that don't like to wear stuff around your neck. You could put it up, uh, you know, in your uh, uh, visor, or in your car or somewhere, rearview me or whatever. But uh, they're back there if you'd like to take one home with you, okay? And uh, I like this because it reminds me of what Christ did on the cross for me, okay? A lot of people wear crosses, and I don't know if not everybody that I see with a cross on understands what they're wearing. But uh, this will, because it looks kind of like the nails maybe, except, of course, a lot smaller that nailed Jesus to the cross. So they're back there you just take one when you leave if you want one, okay? It's on me, all right? Now, don't take more than one, because I got to give the rest of them to, I work with some addiction recovery uh, center, and I told them I would give them one uh, at our next encounter, so. Also, I would like to give you something else, and that is, it's a book, a little booklet that I wrote last year called Psalm 91, and in it, There's some tips on how to pray Psalm 91, and you can write under each verse. Verse has got a page, and you could write whatever you would want as you pray Psalm 91. Psalm 91 is a good prayer to pray, and uh, it prays uh, you pray against diseases and sicknesses and blessings on your life and so forth. I would encourage you, and this book will help you if you'd like to pray Psalm 91. So. Pastor, would you mind just passing these out to anybody who wants one? You don't have to take one, but if you like one, it's a gift for me to you. And, uh, Pastor, if you would, just put the rest of them if you've got some left over out on my table. And then I've got a gift that somebody might be interested in in here that studies the Bible, that loves to study the Bible. It's a pamphlet. It's uh, called The Chrono- Chronology of the Bible. It's a timeline And it also has a Bible reading uh, plan. It's in color. It is really a nice little study aid. And uh, I'll give this uh, away today to the first person that raises their hand and wants it. Anybody? Oh, all right. I'll right back there in the... Is that polka dots? What is that? Uh, Okay. All right. Amen. All right. That's all I have, Okay. The rest I'm going to give you is the Word, all right? And I've been praying for you, too. And I'm again, it's an honor to be here today. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? If you can, I promise I won't make you stand very long, but I just think it's uh, good to honor the Word of God in standing. Would you turn with me to Psalm, I'm sorry, Matthew 9, 35 35- through 38 my wife greets you too she would love to be here but we just got back from Florida Friday night and I went on the road Saturday morning and she's got to go to work early in the morning and uh, she didn't want to get out on the road again so uh, and plus she wanted to see her granddaughter because we hadn't seen her in about eight days I went by last night and uh, or yesterday morning and see my granddaughter for a few minutes all right I want to talk to you about rescuing I'm going to talk to you about being a rescuer, okay? This is what Matthew 9, let's start 35, verse 35. Jesus traveled throughout all the towns. I'm reading from the NLT. All the towns and the villages of that area teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and they were helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. Lord, would you help us today to not just hear your word But be doers of your word, in Jesus' name, and amen. You could be seated. Thank you. Now, Pastor, I need to stay right here because of your camera. Is that right? I can't. Okay, no camera. Good. Okay, I can wander wherever I want. Okay. You know, the word plentiful there uh, in the scriptures, I think King James uses the word plentiful. Plentiful. Translation I used said, The harvest is great. It means uh, an amount of quantity, a great amount of quantity. I want to talk to you a little bit about the harvest. And I just heard your pastor talk about his vision. I heard him talk about your community dinner. And uh, I think that's wonderful. I think that's great that you're reaching out to your community. And why is that? Because uh, we need to see people like Jesus did. You need to see people like Jesus did. Jesus saw people as what? Lost, without a shepherd. Jesus saw people uh, hopeless, desperate. And I want to ask you a question now. How do you see people? How do you see people in the world? How do you see people in the streets and people you work with, people that's your family that doesn't know Jesus? How do you see them? The Bible tells us that Jesus had compassion on the lost people, on lost sheep, on the harvest, and Jesus seen us as rescuers, that it's our job to rescue them. Now, when you got saved, you became a rescuer. Can you say amen? Anybody agree with that? Yeah. You may not have known that, but you're the the best hope for the world. You really are. The Jesus in you, the Bible says that we're called light. We're called salt. How many of you know we are the hope of the world because Jesus is in us? If you believe in a rapture and you believe in what the Scripture says about the seven years of great tribulation that's going to follow, you know this world's not going to last very long after the church is raptured up, after the salt's gone, after the light's gone. This world's going to pretty much self-destruct. Matter of fact, uh, Jesus says that He will shorten those days because of the elect. Not the church. The church should be gone because of those who come to Christ, mainly Jewish people and some Gentile peoples as well who go through great persecution during that time. That's how bad the days will be. He says, I'll shorten them. It'll be that bad. So you and I really are the hope of this world. And you know the Bible says if you study... Uh, Revelation, It says the Antichrist is going to go on a tear after the rapture. Because the one thing that he's going to be upset about, and read this for yourself, he's going to be angry at Christians. And he's going to go after those who say they still follow Christ. And he's also going to be very angry that those that follow Christ are gone. The rapture. And I think that anger, we know where that comes from. It comes from the Satan himself. So I just want you to know today that you and I are the hope of the world. And I just want to share with you just quickly, and I'll have you out of here without, before 12 without any problem, some things about the harvest, this lost and dying world, some things that, that we need to do. In particular, I just want to give you three things that we need to remember when it comes to This plentiful harvest that Jesus loves. Number one, first of all, we can't wait too long. We have to do it now. We have to be willing to take a chance because we don't have much time. The moment is now. It's now. You say, well, I don't know. When Jesus is going to come, maybe he won't come as quick as you think he will, Pastor. But you and I, even besides that, you and I don't have tomorrow. We only have today, don't we? My brother's 59, and he's always been a preacher. He ran a rescue mission for 12 years in Marion, Indiana. He led many, many people to Christ. But on August 2nd, he went to be with the Lord. You know what? They just declared him cancer-free. For nine months, he had battled cancer. Nine months before then, he had battled a terrible brain disease. He was on a feeding tube. He went from 285 down to about 144, but he started gaining weight back. He was about 180, and things were looking up. But the next day after they said, you're cancer-free, a blood clot went to his heart, and he was taken like that. People were telling him, man, now you could get back in the pulpit. Now you can resume your life. Now you can, you know, become healthier. But that's not what the Lord had in store for him. His mission was through. It was up. So we never know, folks, what the next day holds. We're only given today. And you know what, if you're going to tell somebody about Christ, you need to do it when Christ is speaking to you. And don't think about, well, I'll do that later. Maybe somebody, no. He's talking to you for right now. Maybe it's not so much sharing Christ with them, but praying for them. We need to obey the Lord now. Because there may not be another chance. Have you ever known anybody that went out to eternity quickly and you thought to yourself, wow, should I have shared with them? Was it me? Should I have talked to them about Jesus? Did somebody talk to them about Jesus? Have you ever thought where, where they're at because you didn't see any fruits of repentance? See, right now is the time. And the Lord does speak to us, doesn't he? And I'll tell you one thing. If you'll every day wake up, say, Lord, lead me and guide me and direct me and help me to be your mouthpiece and help people to see Jesus through me, I promise you the Lord will put people in your path. Some of you might say, well, I don't want to pray that prayer. I don't want the responsibility. <laughs> Can I tell you something? He's probably going to put people in your path anyway, whether you pray the prayer or not. But do it now. Secondly... You have to go where they are. Rescuers don't wait for people to come to them. The lifeguard doesn't wait for people to climb up the ladder and say, rescue me, right? The fireman doesn't wait for people to come to the firehouse and say, rescue me. Why should we as Christians wait for people to come to church and say, rescue me? Yeah, we've kind of done it that way in the past, but can I tell you something? I'm in a church about every week, and one thing I'm noticing nowadays, sinners don't come to church anymore. Do you know that? Very few sinners come to church. You say, well, they don't come to my church. They don't come to any church. They don't come to big churches. They rarely come to mega churches. Sinners got better things to do as far as they're concerned. There's big football games going on. They're getting ready for that football game. They're getting the party ready at home, and that's what they're doing in Cincinnati, you know, today. Most people didn't go to church in Cincinnati today. They're getting ready for the game. Joe Burrow's playing. Bengals have a chance to go to the AFC championship again. They don't care what's going on in the church. Do you receive this? Isn't that the truth? They don't care. They got their sights on other things. It's not going to church. So guess what? If we're going to rescue them, we got to go where they're at. We really do. We have to take a risk. When the, the alarm is, is sounding, and we have to go. I, I quit pastoring about four years ago. I'm in my fifth year now not being a full-time pastor, and and honestly, I didn't retire. Honestly, the Lord called me to leave the pulpit and to go out there, and so what I do now is I, I serve in an addiction recovery center, and I minister to heroin addicts and alcoholics, and I'm on the road, but I'm sending discipleship books into nations. I got a uh, I put it on my Facebook page, a pastor the other day from Uganda, and uh, he sent me a video. And he said, Pastor Randy, thank you for the discipleship, and there's, that stuff's out there if you want to look at it as you leave. And uh, he said, I had people in my community, my village, that were going to commit suicide. This is what he said. You could look at it, for it yourself. Go to my Facebook page. And he said, they started reading your books, your discipleship book, and they were baptized in water, and now they want to live. And you know what? I'm rescuing people through literature, through a book. God's using me to rescue people through a book. So, folks, there's all kinds of ways you could rescue people, even in your living room, see. You know, this thing called... uh, Social media is not all bad, right? And then we criticize it a lot. But there's some good things that happen through social media. Many of you are on Facebook. And you can use Facebook to reach people. You can use Facebook to share your testimony. You can use Facebook to share the Word of God. And who knows who will read it, see? The Bible says anytime you share the Word of God... It will not return void. It will produce fruit. So anytime you put that word out there, I guarantee you, I promise you, God is going to use it to bring forth fruit. And one day when you get to heaven, you may be pretty surprised at the people that read your stuff and it caused them to pray and turn to God and look to God, see. Can you say amen? Yeah. So I want you to think about that. You can be a rescuer. Even though you can't leave your house so much. Maybe you're getting older and your health won't allow you to in that. One of the ways that I like to share with people, if you go to restaurants, it's a great opportunity to rescue people, to share Christ. This is the way I do it. You might try this. Right before I pray, right before we pray as a family or whoever I'm with, when a waiter or waitress has come, this is what I do. And it just opens the door. I just simply say, we're getting ready to pray. And is there anything that you would like for us to pray for you or with you about? You would be surprised, if you haven't done it, how it opens up doors. I was with a pastor in Rochester, Indiana, a couple months ago. And we did that. And this woman who was waiting on our table didn't come back for about 20 minutes, <laughs> and, and we hadn't even ordered yet. And so I asked her, I said, uh, I probably wasn't the nicest person, but I said, uh, you know, uh, we prayed for you. You asked us to pray for you. I didn't mean for you to go disappear. And you know what she said? She said, I was back there. And she said, I was crying. She said, I couldn't believe what you asked me. She said, I came to work today really, really hurting. Some things are going on in my life. And you folks asked me what there was in my life that we could pray for. She said, I couldn't believe it. It was like God Himself is here. And you know what? We prayed for, for her then, again, we prayed with her then. And you know what she did? She went back there and cried again. But this time she brought out her food. Amen? (laughs) But I'm telling you, so many times when I do that, I see tears come down people's faces. People are hurting today. People really are in the state of what Jesus described, lost, hopeless, hurting, in pain. And just you simply saying Can we pray with you or for you? I know you're busy. Maybe you don't have time to pray with us, but when you leave, we would like to pray. Is there anything? And when you, usually, usually you'll have somebody will share something with you, usually. And if they don't, you know what I say? Well, we're just going to bless you then when we pray. We're just going to pray God bless you. And usually people can't believe you're going to do that, that you're doing that. So try that. There's all kinds of ways that you could just, and I, and I tell you the best thing to do is just be led of the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? See, you can wait for dinners, and your dinner's great, and you need to do these things because you're inviting the community in, and that community is going to be uh, more prone to come to services in that when they come in and meet you and see how warm you are in that. So you're really making the community aware of not where you're at, but who you are, see, when you do things like that. But the most effective way of going out is you individually or you with your wife or family or whatever and just doing the normal things you usually do. That's why the Bible says in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, the Great Commission, Go ye therefore. And as you go, it doesn't say that, but that's what it's implying. As you go, make disciples. We're not supposed to bring them to church, Pastor, really, and make disciples out of them here. Now, we're supposed to teach and preach the word here, and disciples are made. But really, according to the Great Commission, we are to go, therefore, and make disciples. Not just at the church, but in our workplaces, in our homes. As we go... We are to make disciples. So it's very important that we as the church, we equip you. Our job is to equip you to go and to make disciples and bring them into the kingdom. Can you say amen? Now, you might want to bring them into your church. Honestly, I've seen people saved that I've encouraged them to go to other churches because they live close by, and it was easier for them to go, and I knew the pastor, and I knew they'd be taken care of in that. But my job is a rescuer, and that's what your job is too. And thirdly, the last thing I want you to remember is this. Go after the one. Jesus left the 99, and he went after the one. Uh, Pastor and McKenzie and I, have done what we call encounters. Have you ever told everybody about encounters, what they are? Well, there's a session in the encounter called uh, The Vision, and we tell the story of Hacksaw Ridge. Anybody remember that story, Uh, that movie, Hacksaw Ridge? Desmond Doss. Desmond Doss, the movie came out, well, four or five years ago maybe, maybe longer. And Desmond Doss saved 75 men at the Battle of Hacksaw Ridge. Ridge, which was near Okinawa, Japan. And in that battle, he received uh, the highest medal that you could receive from President Truman. President Truman actually, as he was shaking his hand, said, to me, this is a greater honor than being President of the United States, meeting you, shaking your hand, and giving you this medal. Now, the story The unusual thing about the story is um, Desmond Doss never picked up a gun. It was against Desmond Doss' religion to kill. And so he chose to be an army medic. He was even court-martialed at one time because he wouldn't pick up a gun. Even his superiors, his superior officers hated him because he chose not to shoot a gun. But in the end, he was faithful to his God, okay? Now, this isn't for every soldier. There are many Christian soldiers, of course, who shoot guns and so forth and have killed. But his conviction was that he was in the army to be a medic, to save lives and not take lives. That was his conviction, and he held to his conviction. But as he was going on... um, the big cliff is a vertical high cliff that uh, the United, United States took bloody inch by bloody inch. And it really won the end up winning the war on, the, uh, on that side. The Germans had already, had already been defeated on the other side, on the west. But that battle decided the victory for the Allied troops. And then in the movie, it shows him going back one by one. And as he's going, he's saying, one more, one more, one more. And he would get soldiers, and he would drag them back. He would tie them up, and he would just kick them down on the cliff. And there, there the American soldiers were to, to receive them. It's really a, a cool movie if you ever get a chance to see it. And it really could be called One More. And that's what he said, one more, one more, one more. That's the way Jesus did it. Can I tell you something? Christianity is not a collective religion. Christianity is a very personal, individual faith. Names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life one at a time. People are saved one at a time not nation by nation not city by city not village by village when Jesus went to a cross like the song said he had you and he had me on his mind and that's why he died on the cross even to the very end the thief the one thief he said this day you will be with me in paradise even while hanging on the cross, one more, one more. Folks, the Lord only expects you to go after one at a time, one at a time. You say, well, I'm not, I'm not a very strong Christian. I, I don't know the Bible. I could never do that. Can I tell you who's doing, who's saying that to you? You know who it is. He's the liar. That's what he does. He lies without his mouth moving. Amen? That's him. Yes, you could be used of God. You don't have to have a lot of Bible knowledge up here. All you have to do is let people know, hey, I'm saved, and Jesus died for you. Let me show you how easy it is, and I'm going to close. My wife and I went to the Church of God General Assembly in August and it was our anniversary, 42nd anniversary, and uh, we needed somewhere to eat, but the river walk, if you've ever been there, was just full, and many of the restaurants were taking reservations. It was Saturday night, and we walked and walked and walked and couldn't find anywhere, Finally. As we were walking by, this manager came out. He was on the sidewalk, and he said, hey, we've got room. Come in here. Got, we'll set you up with a table. We've got one right outside there. And, and, uh, and I won't be honest with you. I'll just be right up front with you. The waitresses were, had very little clothes on, okay? <laughs> and uh, they were out there, too, you know, trying to help customers to get in. And the one girl uh, took us. Her name was Rachel, and she took us to her table. And uh, she looked like the world. She had tats, and she uh, uh, was probably in her mid-20s. She had a nose ring. I mean, she just looked like the world looks. And there was a guy playing honky-tonk music, and there was Budweiser flowing, and I mean... It was a great place for a preacher to be at a church conference, right? (laughs) And especially our anniversary dinner, okay? But, hey, we were hungry, and now I got to the place I didn't care, you know, what anybody thought. So I went up, and uh, we went and got a table. And so toward the end of the meal, I said to Rachel, I said, man, you have done really a good job. I said, can I ask you something, Rachel? I said, "Uh, did you ever go to church Or do you go to church? And she said, no, I didn't go to church much. She said, now, I did go a little bit to a church, uh, and it was a Catholic church. This is what I said. I said, uh, do you remember them talking about Jesus? And she said, a little bit. And she said, "Uh, I, I remember them talking about Jesus hanging on a cross. And I remember seeing a cross and Jesus hanging on it and stuff. But I don't remember much more than that. And I said, Rachel, do you know who Jesus went to the cross for? And she said, I don't, I don't know why he went to the cross. I said, Rachel, Jesus went to the cross for you, and he went to the cross for me, and especially that woman right there, my wife. He really went to the cross for her. I was just kidding with her, you know. And uh, she said, really? And, and I said, you know why he went to the cross for you and me and Annette, my wife? And she said, no. And she was being honest with me. And I said, because we're sinners. We were born in sin. And uh, we're all going to face eternal destruction. A place called hell is real unless we ask the Lord to forgive us. See, he took your sins and my sins to the cross. And there, those sins were nailed to the cross so that you and I could be free of sin and you and I can have eternal life. I said, Rachel, would you like for me to pray with you? You could repeat a prayer after me and receive Jesus? She said, yes. And so right then, I said, Rachel, would you take my hand? And Annette is going to take your hand. And so I prayed a prayer and Rachel repeated it with me. Folks, when I got finished with the prayer, I didn't know it, but Rachel was on her knees. She had big tears coming out of her eyes. And she stood up with a big smile on her face. She did that in front of her peers. She did that in that honky-tonk bar. She did with all that beer and everything was going on. She stood up, and she had received Jesus into her heart. Can I tell you something? Rachel came, kept coming back to our table. It was like she did not want us to leave. And I said, Rachel, I'm not from this city or town, and I can't tell you to go to a church, but I'm going to be praying for you every day, and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to lead you. And she said, thank you. And I'm believing one day I'll see Rachel in heaven. Would you bow your heads, please?